subscription now. Support Fearless Radio. Give today at kpfk.org or call 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-5735. Thanks and tag your it. This is KPFK 90.7 FM. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. You're listening to KPFK 90.7 FM, Los Angeles. The time now is 6 p.m. KBFK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. This is KPFK Rebel Alliance News. Good evening. I'm Angela Birdsong. KPFK is in the first week of our on-air member drive through the month of June. Become a sustainer today at kpfk.org. Here are today's headlines. Learn about the way you see multimedia arts bringing healing from the arts during Juneteenth. Ukraine military and their Nazi imagery. News highlights from the outside the NATO-controlled media sphere. And the community calendar, all this and more coming up. Agenda item number 18, a motion by Los Angeles County Supervisor Janice Hahn this week, seeks to make the L.A. County ceremony of the unclaimed dead open to the public. Los Angeles County has conducted burials for the unclaimed dead since 1896 to ensure that all have passed in L.A. County are laid to rest with respect. Every year, a non-denominational interfaith Ceremony is held at the county cemetery located in Boyle Heights. The ceremony of the unclaimed dead is presided over by local faith leaders and includes prayers, music, and burial customs in multiple languages. The cremated remains are placed in a single grave site with a marker indicating the year of cremation atop of the plot. In 2022, the remains of 1,624 unclaimed individuals were buried. The Office of Descendant Affairs under the County Department of Health Services manages the outreach to families, cremation, burial, and the ceremony. ODA celebrates with the public administrator who utilizes information provided by law enforcement, private hospitals, skilled nursing facilities, etc., to find next of kin. If at the end of their investigation no next of kin is found, the public administrator then authorizes cremation. ODA holds the unclaimed remains for three years to allow the next of kin, who may not have been initially identified, to claim the remains. If after three years descendants are not claimed, they are buried during the ceremony as a way to honor the life of the deceased and for the community to have an opportunity to grieve. During the pandemic, since 2020, the ceremony has opened to a small number of officials while, live, while being live streamed for the public, allowing people from all over L.A. County and beyond to participate in the event to pay respect to those who are being laid to rest. In 2022, the event had 2,600 views from the public on Facebook. The 2023 ceremony will be the first year that includes individuals who died of COVID-19, marking a significant time in county history. Currently, the county cemetery is not able to host a public event due to damage from recent rains. The motion instructs the Director of Health Services to report back to the board in writing in 60 days and on options to open the 2023 ceremony of the unclaimed dead to members of the public for in-person attendance, including a funding assessment and options to increase the attendance capacity for the public over the next three years. Reporter Jack Kennedy gives us an update on actor-entertainer Jamie Foxx. 
A new article on MSNBC, of all places, suggests details have been revealed regarding Jamie Foxx's mysterious medical state. The article goes on to say, The Django Unchained star is said to be partially paralyzed and blind, in addition to a series of other complications after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine, Hollywood journalist A.J. Benza claimed after speaking to a source close to Fox. Jamie had a blood clot in his brain after he got the shot. He did not want the shot, but the movie he was on, he was pressured to get it, said the podcaster during an appearance on Drew Pinsky's online show, Ask Dr. Drew. The blood clot in the brain caused him at that point to be partially paralyzed and blind, Benza alleged, as he insisted his insider was someone in the room with the first-hand knowledge of Fox's hospitalization. Fox was admitted to the hospital after suffering a medical complication on Thursday, April 11th, although specific details on his current health state have been difficult to discover. The 55-year-old's medical woes mounted while filming his latest movie, Back in Action. The movie, also starring Cameron Diaz, has moved forward with production without Fox using a body double in his place. On Friday, May 2nd, Fox's daughter announced conflicting information that didn't align with numerous other reports regarding the actor's well-being. Sad to see how the media runs wild. My dad has been out of the hospital for weeks, recuperating, Fox's daughter insisted. Benza addressed the family statement, calling it all lies and baloney. Professor and legendary activist Dr. Coronel West has thrown his hat into the presidential ring as a third-party 2024 candidate. Dan Nauman has the story. Dr. Cornell West made an official announcement running as the nominee for president in the People's Party. In these bleak times, I have decided to run for truth and justice, which takes the form of running for president of the United States as a candidate for the People's Party. I enter in the quest for truth. I enter in the quest for justice. And the presidency is just one vehicle to pursue that truth and justice, what I've been trying to do all of my life. I come from a tradition where I care about you. I care about the quality of your life. I care about whether you have access to a job with a living wage, decent housing, women having control over their bodies, health care for all, the escalating, the destruction of the planet, the destruction of American democracy. Democracy creates disruption. It creates an eruption. It creates an interruption wide from below. The energies of everyday people is manifest. And I know there are precious people in your life who you care for. That's why it's important for you to be involved, important for you to participate. We're not talking about hating anybody. We're talking about loving. We're talking about affirming. We're talking about empowering those who have been pushed to the margins because neither political party wants to tell the truth about Wall Street, about Ukraine, about the Pentagon, about big tech. Neo-fascists like Brother Trump or milquetoast neoliberals like Brother Biden. Wow, well, I'm so okay. happy to make a world-shaking decision. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, I know gangsters when I see them. <laughs> and gangsters is not a subjective expression. It's an objective condition. Do we have what it takes? We shall see. But some of us are going to go down fighting, go down swinging with style and a smile, accenting the best in you and trying to tease out the best in me. Let's do it together. Comedian Jimmy Dore, one of the founders of the People's Party, talks about why Dr. West went on the Tucker Carlson show. He was one of the few progressives to be invited on the show before Tucker was fired from Fox News. Friends of the show, Nick Cruz from the Revolutionary Blackout Network, talked to, he tweeted out this video of him, Cornell West, when he went on Tucker Carlson. And he got Tucker Carlson to uh, endorse 
uh, democratic socialism. This is why you go on Tucker's show. Fundamental commitment is to the dignity of ordinary people and to make sure they can live lives of decency. So it's not an ism, no, brother. It's about decency. It's about fairness. It's about the accountability of the powerful vis-a-vis those who have less power. The workplace, women dealing with the household, gays, lesbians, trans, black people, indigenous peoples, immigrants. How do we ensure that they are treated decently and that the powerful don't in any way manipulate, subjugate and exploit them? Well, I mean, if that's what democratic socialism is, then I'm basically on board. I do think that ordinary people, middle class people ought to have dignity. And I think that our current systems make it hard for them to have dignity. So I I agree with all of that. So uh, congrats to to Cornell West. And um, I look forward to a real spirited uh, campaign. I'm glad he's running third party. This is Dan Nowman, Rebel Alliance News on KPFK. I had the distinct pleasure to sit with Her Royal Highness Queen Nina Womack about an upcoming event on Friday, June 16th to Sunday, June 18th, during the Juneteenth weekend celebration that aims to reconnect us to our African heritage and confront the trauma from the transatlantic slave trade. What is the way you see legacy of slavery art exhibit? And what should we be looking forward to experiencing from this exhibition? And of course, you know, I have to ask you, what does YUC mean? If you can, if you can give us all that, please. Sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, Angela. I'm so happy to be here. So excited for this upcoming event that's designed to open the eyes of the legacy of slavery. And so, um, I would say maybe a couple months ago or so, I applied for this grant. There was uh, some funding available with the Department of Mental Health to uh, put on events that address mental health awareness, trauma, and things like that. So I thought that this was a perfect time to uh, do an event that has been a vision in my heart to put on a program to address the trauma behind the transatlantic slave trade. Now, Wayusi, and that's spelled W-E-U-S-I, is a Swahili word for black or for dark blackness. And I thought that that would be a perfect word for this art exhibition because this is addressing uh, black people and our trauma, generational trauma, and how that relates to the transatlantic slave trade. So um, I have a multimedia company called Transmedia. 360. And for years, I've been uh, expressing myself creatively through various multimedia uh, means, whether it's events, um, film, um, website design, you know, social media, digital marketing, and music as well. So uh, this art exhibit is using all forms of media to bring that awareness and to shed light on the effects that we're still holding on to from the trauma behind the transatlantic slave trade. So we will look at uh, real artifacts from slavery. I'm bringing in some real historic artifacts that people can see. We'll also be having African dancing and drumming, speakers talking about trauma and how it relates to the transatlantic slave trade, and also um, the use of music and poetry, spoken word. I'm also incorporating video that will portray Images um, from slavery and civil rights movement, the black power movement and so forth to show our constant continual struggle and freedom to overcome the effects of the transatlantic slave trade. So why are you launching during the Juneteenth weekend? Yes, that's an excellent question, because that is the perfect time to put on a multimedia art exhibit like this. Um, as you know, the uh, Emancipation Day or that black slaves were free on June 19th, 1865. Actually, the uh, Abraham Lincoln ended the Civil War in January 1st, 1963 is when the slaves were originally set free, but the enslavers did not let 
the uh, slaves let them know that they were even free in 1963. So it wasn't until June 19th, 1965, that it was officially made known to the slaves that they're free, they're emancipated, they can go. So this is a perfect time to have a program like this. Also, we're in an age where uh, reparations is at the table. As you know, we have the California Task Force addressing reparations. We have rep- global reparations being discussed. But where are the programs to go with the reparations movement for our healing? Uh, if you look at Holocaust survivors, the Jewish community, they have had years and extensive um, programming and events to address their trauma that scientists have discovered is real. That is, pat trauma is passed down from generations. So, where is are the programs that's helping our people, our black people who were enslaved, our ancestors heal? So, I want to do this type of program so we can start addressing these matters. We can see where we're holding on to the trauma. Just real quick, generational trauma expresses itself in so many ways. Uh, the survivors of of trauma victims are more prone to agitation to anger issues, depression, drug addiction, alcoholism. So that's what we're suffering from. It's clear, like we're no different than the Jewish Holocaust community. If their offspring, their descendants are traumatized and they're getting programs and reparations and healing, why is not, why aren't our community getting it? So that is my purpose is to start launching these programs on an ongoing basis so we can heal and become whole. Now, who are some of the speakers that we should be expecting during that weekend? Oh, we have some great speakers lined up. Um, We have Dr. Anochi, for one. He's a professor at Cal State um, Los Angeles. He's from Nigeria, and he owns a gift store in Long Beach, an African uh, gift gift store. He teaches cultural drumming, and he does lectures there about African history. So he'll be there to teach us about traditional African um, healing. And the great thing about Dr. Anochi is he was one of... uh, Fela Kuti's um, uh, bass players. He played the bass for him in the 60s. So he's legendary, an expert musician. He's going to come and teach cultural dance from the Igbo and the Yoruba tribes of Nigeria, um, him and his cultural troupe. And he will also lecture about uh, traditional Africa. Yes. So we have him. Um, we also have um, Akua Robinson. She is also a professor of African history at Cal State um, Los Angeles. And she has her master's and Ph.D. in African um, spirituality and culture and psychology, African psychology. So she is a black American who um, has studied extensively on the subject matter. So she'll also be talking about our healing, how to use our healing holistically and reconnect with our ancestral past to um, overcome that type of trauma. And another fabulous speaker we have is Dr. Curly Bonds. He is a black psychiatrist that heads the Los Angeles County Department of Mental Health, their whole entire psychiatry uh, department. So he will be coming to speak about racial trauma and how that's affecting us. We have some great speakers lined up, a great program. Uh, I have some actors like Stogie Kenyatta. Uh, he's an actor who has his own one-man show on Paul Robeson. He'll be coming and doing several uh, monologues from Paul Robeson. I have another actress, Charlene Monica. She'll come and do a monologue as Harriet Tubman. Um, I have A.J. Wone. I'm sorry, A.J. One who is a, a prolific spoken word artist, and he's coming in to do some powerful pieces about Africa, about black America. And and what I really am excited about, too, is that um, some renowned artists are coming in and showing their artworks. So we have w- Buena Johnson, who's coming in, and she'll bring some of her art to be on display. Uh, Buena's works have been bought from Halle Berry, from so many celebrities. Her artwork has been in the Smiths 
Smithsonian and the Getty. I mean, so many museums and she'll be coming and showing her artwork. Also, uh, Karen Collins, who is the founder of the African American Miniature Museum. And she makes these miniature versions of black life and black culture. So like she did a Black Lives Matters, uh, uh, artwork with little miniature Trayvon Martin and the flag. And so it's so cute, but so profound at the same time. She also has built a miniature version of the slave ship uh, sailing on the Atlantic Ocean right next to the Elmina Castle, which is a dungeon, a slave dungeon, where they held the slaves uh, before they were exported to the Americas. So she'll bring 35 pieces of her miniature uh, museum, and that should be very exciting to see. And this is taking place June 16th to the 18th. Where again? This is going to be at Art Share LA, and the address is 801 East fourth place. Um, I would say that's one block east of uh, Alameda, right there on 4th Street in Alameda. I'm just so glad to be able to do this type of program to bring forth change and and bring awareness about the transatlantic slave trade and how it's um, still affecting us. And I I wouldn't be able to do this if I didn't have the support of Take Take Action for Mental Health, um, the Los Angeles County Department of Mental Health and Cal Mesa, which is the California Mental Health Services Authority. They have this program where they are uh, giving out funding to event organizers like myself to address mental health issues. And the one that I chose is I want to address it for black people. And I also want white people to come to this exhibit to just get educated about uh, black life, African culture, how we were affected, and what can we do now in the future for all of us to heal. After the recording of this interviewing, Another phenomenal speaker was added for the opening night on Friday, June 16th of the YUC Multimedia Arts Exhibit, Healing the Legacy of Slavery Through Arts. Dr. Melina Abdullah, co-founder of Black Lives Matter Los Angeles, will be joining the impressive lineup for that Juneteenth weekend. Join Dr. Melina here on KPFK Mondays, 7 a.m., on Move the Crowd. Next week, we will hear more about Her Royal Highness Nina Womack's reconnection to her African heritage and the doors of no return, which can be seen from Friday, June 16th to Sunday, June 18th at the YUC Arts Exhibit as the celebrations of Juneteenth are happening throughout this month of June. KBFK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. This is Stanley Clark. Free Speech Radio can't survive without your generous support. Become a KPFK sustaining member now by pledging $1 a day at kpfk.org. Become a sustaining member. Your donation is tax deductible and membership has its privileges. I am a member, so join me, Stanley Clark, in keeping independent radio alive. Donate to KPFK at kpfk.org and do it today. I am Angela Birdsong, and you're listening to KPFK Rebel Alliance News. We are in the first fabulous week of our membership fund drive. Yes, become a sustainer, giving you consistency in your membership with us. Go to kpfk.org and pledge securely online or call 818-985-5735 and press the number 2. Ukraine military and their Nazi imagery. KPFK Rebel Alliance news reporter Jack Kennedy brings us the story. The New York Times has been forced to very, very belated deal with something which had long been obvious and known to many independent analysts, but which has been carefully shielded from the mainstream masses in the West for obvious reasons. The surprising Monday Times headline said that Nazi symbols on Ukraine's front lines highlight thorny issues of history. The acknowledgement comes after literally years of primarily indie journalists and geopolitical commentators pointed out that, yes, indeed, Ukraine's military and paramilitary groups, especially those operating in the East since at least 2014, 
have a serious Nazi ideology problem. This has been exhaustively documented, again, going back years, but the report, which merely tries to downplay it as a thorny issue of Ukraine's unique history, suggests that the real problem for Western PR is fundamentally that it's being displayed so openly. Ukrainian soldiers are being asked to cover those Nazi symbols, please, as Matt Taibbi sarcastically quipped in commenting on the report. The authors of the New York Times report begin by expressing frustration over the optics of Nazi symbols being displayed so proudly on many Ukrainian soldiers' uniforms, suggesting that many journalistic photographs, which have in some cases been featured in newspapers and media outlets worldwide, typically coupled with generally positive articles on Ukraine's military, are merely unfortunate or misleading. The New York Times report says, In each photograph... Ukrainians in uniform wore patches featuring symbols that were made notorious by Nazi Germany and has since become part of the iconography of far-right hate groups. The report admits this has led to controversy wherein newsrooms actually must delete some photographs of Ukrainian soldiers and militants. The photographs and their deletions highlight the Ukrainian military's complicated relationship with Nazi imagery, a relationship forged under both Soviet and German occupation during World War II, continues the report. So it's merely thorny and complicated, we are told. NATO itself has in recent years been forced to delete images on its official social media account due to Nazi imagery being present among Ukrainian troops during photo shoots. And now we might expect some significant efforts at damage control, or even perhaps we're witnessing the beginnings of evolving definitions and the moving of goalposts. Underway in Central America, another attempt to nullify an election through a coup as we close in on the 200th anniversary of the Monroe Doctrine. Don DeBar has more. Less than a year after he took office, the leftist president of Colombia, Gustavo Francisco Petro Urega, known to many simply as Petro, faces the threat of a coup d'etat. The Colombian economist, politician, and former guerrilla fighter, however, is apparently not ready to go gently into that good night, and neither, apparently, are the people of Colombia, who are now in the streets. To discuss that, we go to Colombia's neighbor, Nicaragua, which is where journalist Stephen Sefton is, and we're also going to speak with journalist Camila Escalante, who is in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Stephen, Camila, welcome. Pleasure to have you with us. Yeah, sure. And, and from the original point of view, I mean, the, one of the very interesting things about Gustavo Petro is that he, he has actually bitten the bullet, um, and he's trying to push through and meet his electoral commitments, his campaign commitments to, for example, reform the health system in Colombia, um, to advance land reform in Colombia, which is a huge issue in Colombia, given the disproportionate uh, uh, ownership of land by the, by the country's elite. Um, and also his program that he calls Pass Total, which is total peace. Um, and obviously trying to... For, for a time, he, he seemed to get on quite well in terms of getting his legislative program through the um, country's legislature. And then uh, about two, three months ago, he found himself having to uh, take measures to reshuffle his cabinet because some of his cabinet members weren't, weren't on as on board as he'd like with his uh, attempts to implement his program of uh, electoral commitments. And so... At that point, there seemed to be a, a sudden shift in mood in Colombia. And um, he suddenly, and although there had been differences with the Fiscalia prior to that, those differences suddenly came into quite sharp contrast following his cabinet reshuffle. Um, and uh, now, over the last couple of weeks, there have been a couple of uh, largely media-inspired incidents. And I, I think um, Camilla explained to us before we started recording that um, the, one of the main um, media outlets behind these attempts to uh, discredit Gustavo Petro through former associates um, is from the right-wing Samana um, media outlet. And that, and that bears out what you were saying in your introduction, Don, that this is very much uh, a local right-wing effort to prepare the ground for a possible uh, coup attempt sometime further down the line, like what we've seen using lawfare, like what we've seen uh, in Peru against uh, Pedro Castillo. And in fact, Gustavo Petro himself 
recently said that uh, what the right wing in Colombia are trying to do uh, to me is likely to turn out um, very like the attempt or the successful attempt to um, uh, 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 oust uh, Pedro Castillo in Peru. But I think it's really important to put this in, 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 a, in a broader context, because what's at stake, um, especially after the summit in Brasilia that I think we discussed in our last programme, which um, uh, was an attempt to revitalise uh, uh, South American Union, the union between the different South American countries. And th that that's what's at stake. And you can see um, the global significance of that and Colombia and Colombia's very important role in Latin American terms in that by the fact that, for example, um, the, the Irani, the, the, the president of Iran, of Iran, sorry, will be um, visiting uh, Cuba, Nicaragua, and Venezuela this coming weekend. And shortly after that, Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the European Union, will be um, visiting uh, Mexico, Brazil, Argentina, and Chile. So you can see that there's, the, 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 in, in, in the current context, the, the realignment of uh, majority world countries, uh, given the de rapidly developing international changes in, in international relations, um, is very much coming to Latin America. And so when we look at the stuff that's happening in Colombia, uh, as regards Gustavo Petro, we should try and remember that that's in the overall context in which all that's taking place. Yeah. Yeah, and I believe that, you know, the other governments are going to have to begin to take notice because what the United States and Washington, the EU want is they want to completely subvert the sovereignty and independence um, and ability to self-govern of all of these countries. They want non-governments. It's not really that they want a right-wing government uh, over a left-wing government. Obviously, they need a neoliberal figure there, an administration to implement what they would like to see there. But most of all, they want there to be a complete absence um, of, any sort of, of any sort of independent government in these countries, and that's what they have in uh, Peru with this coup government, but it's also what they have in Ecuador with Lasso, who is being found now to have committed uh, different acts of corruption. And so right now, these other sort of countries that may not have been so precisely aligned with, for example, the Bolivarian Revolution or Cuba or the Sandinista Revolution, such as Honduras and Mexico and uh and the uh, government of Colombia, which were elected with a very strong mandate for a very progressive agenda and a lot of different policies that would very uh, fundamentally change these countries for the better, they're now under attack for not following Washington's line. And because, you know, Washington is seeing right now that they are actually trying to fulfill as you said, Stephen, their electoral commitments to the people. And so that's absolutely not acceptable. I think Lula will have to take note of this and some of the other governments and see that, you know, they're being warned against further, uh, you know, progressing in terms of their relationship with China, Iran and Russia. But they're going to have to pick what they want to do on their own independently because they will be attacked regardless of what their decision is. The way in which countries like Nicaragua have been attacked for broadening their relations, deepening their relations with these other world powers. That's absolutely not acceptable for the United States. And so they're going to have to change, you know, pick sides very clearly, decisively. Otherwise, or either way, they're going to face destabilization as Petro is now. Yeah, and, and I, I think Argentina is a perfect example of the kind of destabilization that you're talking about, Camilla, because if you look at Argentina and what's happened to the government of Alberto Fernandez, especially uh, in, immediately following the corrupt uh, government of Mauricio Macri, and what, what, what you're talking about uh, when, in, in your, early on in your remarks just now is absolutely right, in my opinion, namely that the United States doesn't really, uh, is not really interested in promoting a right-wing government necessarily. What they want is, is a, a political instability. That's what they want. And so what, what, the, what Mauricio Macri did for them was he um, 
trapped Argentina in a completely illegitimate um, debt arrangement with the International Monetary Fund, the biggest loan that the IMF um, has ever made up to that point. Um, several tens of millions of uh, several tens of billions of dollars um, that was negotiated very improperly, not following the procedures, established procedures. But Alberto Fernandez, um, his government that succeeded Mauricio Macri, hasn't been able to uh, put together the, the political support to repudiate that debt. So what the United States has done via the IMF and their, their local proxies in Argentina is sink Argentina into this impossible level of essentially neo-colonial debt. Um, and at the, at, at the same time, they're also in, engaging in lawfare of the kind that we can expect to see mobilized against um, Gustavo Petro in Colombia in the near future. They've used lawfare to exclude um, Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner as an electoral candidate. And she would almost certainly have been the candidate to win the elections that are coming up on October the 22nd later this year. But the Supreme Court uh, issued, and, and other lower courts uh, prior to that, issued judgments, completely anomalous judgments, based on practically zero evidence, which is what we've seen elsewhere in Ecuador, for example, and in Brazil against Lula, of course. Um, and now she can no longer be the candidate, which weakens the um, appeal of the uh, Peronist movement uh, electorally, electorally, and uh, gives a strong hand to the right wing in these upcoming elections in Argentina. So you're, you're right, Camilla, and the, the United States is using these different levers to create destabilization. Um, and it, it's difficult to see how Argentina is going to kind of untangle itself from the, um, the neo-colonial relationships that it's now trapped in. I appreciate you guys uh, as usual, and we look forward to speaking with you again next week. Thanks a million, Don. Thank you. Thank you. For KPFK, I'm Don DeBar. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. Getting help to buy groceries is now simpler than ever with CalFresh. You can apply for CalFresh online, over the phone, or turn in your application at a DPSS office. Then, use your EBT card at stores or order your groceries online and eat healthy. Click, cook, CalFresh. This is the Kingpin Shaheen from legendary Infinity 4FCs giving a shout out to KPFK 90.7 FM Los Angeles, y'all out. This is KPFK Rebel Alliance News. And we are in our first week of our membership fund drive, right? Yes, yes, yes. 90.7 FM KPFK, the only place 
you will hear an eclectic mix of true diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging engagement with you, the listeners, where the listeners and programmers are in a spiritual partnership. So you guys heard Margaret Prescott earlier before the news came on. And she was like, I know there's some progressive Democrats out there. You guys are out there. Call in 818-985-KPFK and donate. She was asking for $1,000. Whoa. Come on, you guys. If you got a dollar, $10, $100, $1,000, $10,000, call us. Or you can pledge securely online at kpfk.org and click donate. We want to make sure that, you know, we are kickstarting our movement into the summer. We're going to get into summer, you guys. June has that, that spring and summer thing going on. So, you know, we want to make sure that we are not just keeping the airwaves open, but the content that we have here on the airwaves. And you guys know we got some really um, great lineups coming up. 7 a.m. in the morning. You know, we have Dr. Melina Abdullah with Move the Crowd on Mondays, Margaret Prescott with Sojourner Truth on Tuesdays, Nana Jumphy with Conversations on the Way on Wednesdays, Tande Cizwa Shimarenga with Root Work on Thursdays, and Alternative Radio with David on Fridays. So we got some new things going on here, and we just want to make sure that we are staying connected and keep the momentum going about what we do here at KPFK. So go to kpfk.org and pledge, or you can call 818-985-5735 and press the number two. The Apple weather forecast for this weekend in North Hollywood at KPFK 90.7 FM predicts cloudy skies with temperatures of 69 degrees on Saturday and 66 degrees on Sunday. June gloom throughout Southern California. Here is today's international news from sources outside of the NATO-controlled media sphere with Polina Vasiliev. For KPFK's Rebel Alliance News, here are today's international highlights from sources outside of the NATO-controlled media sphere. A major breach of the Kahovka hydroelectric dam in Russia's Kherson region inundated huge swaths of land on the banks of the Dnieper River, promoting large-scale evacuation efforts in the area. Moscow claimed that the facility was damaged by a Ukrainian strike, while Kyiv placed the blame on Russia. The mayor of Novaya Kahovka made the following statement to RT. At 2 a.m., multiple strikes hit the Kahovska hydroelectric power station. As a result, all structures at the station were destroyed and water began to uncontrollably flow down the Dnieper River. Fortunately, the hydroelectric power station was built during the height of the nuclear threat, meaning it was built well, so the dam is intact. The level of water rise now is from 2 to 4 meters, while the largest rise of water could have reached 12 meters, which did not happen. The destruction of the hydroelectric power station is a catastrophe created by the Ukrainian authorities and those who manage them. The partial destruction of the Kahovka Dam on early Tuesday morning saw Kyiv and Moscow exchange accusations about who's to blame, but a report from the Washington Post last December extends credence to the Kremlin's version of events. Titled, Inside the Ukrainian Counteroffensive that Shocked Putin and Reshaped the War, its journalist quoted former commander of November's Kherson counteroffensive, Major General Andrei Kovalchuk, who shockingly admitted to planning this war crime. Quote, Kovalchuk considered flooding the river. The Ukrainians, he said, even conducted a test strike with a HIMARS launcher on one of the floodgates at the Nova Kahovka Dam, making three holes in the metal to see if the Dnieper's water could be raised enough to stymie Russian crossings but not flood nearby villages. The test was a success, Kovalchuk said, but the step remained a last resort. He held off." End quote. Anthony Schaefer is a former U.S. Army Reserve Lieutenant Colonel. He says Ukraine is a likely culprit. So who benefits? I always ask who benefits. And I think right. uh, we, we need to reference some history here. Who shelled the, uh, the nuclear plant back uh, last year? Uh, the Ukrainians did. 
who actually has the most concern relating to uh, obstacles that were placed around downstream of this thing by the Russians uh, who want to defeat those obstacles, uh, Ukraine. And ultimately, who benefits from the psychological value of, of a destruction of a major resource? And again, I think it's Ukraine. So uh, after speaking to my senior analyst who looked at this in detail as best you can within the time frame we've had, uh, I, I don't think it's the Russians. I think, uh, I think Ukraine did this for purposes of trying to provide additional propaganda value to say the Russians are doing more destruction of infrastructure. I just don't think it's the interest of the Russians. Russians are winning. Uh, everything I've seen over the last day to include their uh, absorption of the offensive, the, the so-called offensive from the, the Ukrainians. Uh, the Russians are putting out some pretty high figures, so, someone of some, somewhat, something of just a tick under 3,000 lost by the Ukrainians as they've weighed into uh, the Russian defenses. And so I think uh, this, is, this is, in my judgment, done by the Ukrainian, complementary to their, their uh, summer offensive, which is just underway now. Prices have been rising non-stop across Europe for almost two years now, and their latest data shows another huge drop in purchasing power. Many are demanding that their governments start reining in a free market, which is accused of promoting profit hoarding and price gouging. Ramin Mazahari has more from Paris. At 6.1% in May, Eurozone inflation remains more than three times higher its long-time target rate of 2%. Wreaking havoc on Europe's working-class homes are food prices, which are currently 17% higher than a year ago. I limit myself in all things, but vegetables, fruits and healthy food are important to me. Health also has something to do with nutrition, and if you can't pay for nutrition anymore, then I find that a bit horrifying. European leaders like to blame Russia for the increase, but they seem to forget that Eurozone inflation was soaring long before the unrest in Ukraine escalated in February 2022. European inflation hit 4% way back in September 2021. Many analysts say profit hoarding, speculation and price gouging are the real culprits behind Europe's high prices. Polls show that 96% of France agrees that some businesses are opportunistically taking advantage of the current inflation. Of course, the war in Ukraine is a factor. But a factor at least equal to that has been financial speculation, which goes unchecked in free market capitalism. The results are polls showing that French poverty is rising and that more and more French people are regularly forced to go without food. Despite the economic turmoil, COVID-era assistance programs are ending across the West. France is ending its rate caps on household energy prices this month. We are living in a time of socio-political violence at home, war in Ukraine, and the exhaustion caused by the COVID era. However, the lack of faith in our political leaders and their free market policies is causing perhaps the most instability. Economists say solutions exist, such as price controls the indexing of wages to prices, limits on corporate profits, and others. But Western liberal economics has historically refused such measures, despite their effectiveness for the average person. In Brazil, in the northern city of Recife, members of three indigenous nations closed off the main road to protest a new law dismantling their land rights. Telesur correspondent Brian Meir has more. Indigenous people across Brazil are traveling into the big cities to protest a law that just passed in Congress that, if it passes in the Senate, will severely damage indigenous land rights, making it nearly impossible to establish new reserves and opening existing reserves for ranchers, loggers and miners. Law 490 will destroy our territories and our lives and will damage the 1988 Constitution and everything our ancestors have been fighting for so that we can have our own territories since we were invaded in 1500. It is a great injustice. The leftist parties in Congress voted unanimously against the bill. But conservatives, backed by the agro-lobby, pushed it through by a vote of 324 to 131, 
Since Congress has enough votes to override a veto by President Lula, it's hoped that the Supreme Court will declare it unconstitutional because it was drafted without any consultation with indigenous people. We are the first inhabitant of this land, this is our land, and we are only asking for what is rightfully ours. We are not asking for anything that belongs to others. So we are going to fight until our demands are met. Anyway, we can. Brian Mir, tell us, sir, Hesifi. And that's all in today's international highlights from non-NATO media. For KPFK, I'm Paulina Vasiliev. KPFK, Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. What it is, KPFK, I'm Angela Birdsong, and here is your Rebel Alliance News Community Calendar. Join Embodied Black Girl for their fourth annual Global Healing Festival to nourish the healing and liberation of black women and women of color. The festival is live online June 9th, Friday, and 100% free to attend. Go to embodiedblackgirl.com for details on the workshops, speakers, and plus more. The Los Angeles County Department of Public Health and a host of community-based partners will present the Men of Color Health and Wellness Summit, providing men services of free haircuts, health screenings, re-entry services, expungements, live music, and much more on Saturday, June 10th at 11823 Wilmington Boulevard in Los Angeles. RSVP on Eventbrite. Search for Men of Color Health and Wellness Summit or contact Gary Barker at 323-518-8423. It is that time of the year again for outdoor cinema season. Rooftops are on the grass, various locations and venues, with a curation of cult films, classics, and new releases. Here are three outdoor movie websites to check out. Street Food, Cinema.com, who claims to be LA's largest outdoor cinema and music series. RooftopCinemaClub.com, with locations in downtown Los Angeles, El Segundo, and the arts districts, along with spots across the country. And last but not least, Melrose RooftopTheater.com, in the heart of West Hollywood's fashion and design precinct. NAMI Urban LA offers adult and youth mental health first aid training to community members, organizations, and companies to identify, understand, and respond to the signs of mental illness and substance use disorders. The training gives the skills needed to reach out and provide initial help and support to someone who may be developing a mental health or substance use problem or experiencing a crisis. To learn more about this program, go to NAMIUrbanLA.org or MentalHealthFirstAid.org. As you heard earlier in today's news broadcast, Transmedia 360 and Let's Be Whole presents the Wayusi Multimedia Arts Exhibit, Healing the Legacy of Slavery Through the Arts, featuring real slave artifacts, speakers, black art poetry, cultural dance, music, and drums, and so much more doing Juneteenth weekend, June 16th through the 18th at ArtShare LA, 801 East 4th, 4th Place in the Arts District in downtown Los Angeles. Opening reception is Friday, June 16th, starts at 6.30 p.m. with complimentary hors d'oeuvres and a ceremonial preset procession. Wayusi Arts Exhibit Hours are Friday and Saturday, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Sunday, 2 to 5 p.m. Her Royal Highness Queen Nina Womack is the curator. Check out LegacyOfSlavery.com for updates and on Eventbrite. Also, one of the opening keynote speakers is Dr. Melina Abdullah, co-founder of Black Lives Matter Los Angeles, who can be heard here on KPFK, Monday, 7 a.m. on Move the Crowd. 
An evening of live music, garden party, and community on the LACMA grounds celebrating L.A.'s finest musicians at the Los Angeles Community, Los Angeles County Museum of Art. On Fridays, jazz at LACMA, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Smith Welcome Plaza. And on Saturdays for Latin Sounds, 5 to 7 p.m., Hancock Park. Seating at LACMA is limited on a first-come, first-served basis. For more info, go to LACMA.org under Programs and Music. It's nearly summer, and that means Father's Day. Come celebrate the men and brothers in your life with Black Women for Wellness for Bring a Brother to Breakfast, Being a Man of the Village, Friday, June 9th, 9.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. at Crenshaw United Methodist Church in Los Angeles. For information about Black Women for Wellness or to RSVP for this event, go to bwwla.org. Margaret Love wants to see your face in the place as she performs and you dance at Roscoe's Jazz Lounge, 730 East Broadway in Long Beach, Saturday, June 10th, 8 p.m. to midnight. Call 562-437-8355 for details. That's 562-437-8355 for details. Africatown Enterprise presents the African Marketplace and Drum Circle, Sundays, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Crenshaw and 43rd Place for international foods, art, clothing, live music, and more. Join Stop LAPD Spying Coalition Community Meetings weekly Tuesday nights on Zoom at 6 p.m. Visit StopLAPDSpying.org or Facebook for details and check out their program on KPFK Morning Mix, Radio Insurrection, Thursdays, 8 a.m. with Hamed Khan. Meet Impu Kamut for weekly Kasa Taishi Shawan sessions on Zoom, Tuesdays and Fridays at 8.30 a.m. Saturdays, live in Lemur Park, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. For more information, call 213 447 7700. For no cost produce distributions taking place at clinics in Los Angeles County, visit dhslacounty.gov. That's dhs.lacounty.gov. Also, look for me at the Women's Health Expo on Saturday, June 10th for the Red Tent Experience with my friend and host and founder of That Part Podcast, Carmen Taylor-Jones. The Women's Health Expo is at the Long Beach Convention Center, 300 East Ocean Boulevard. Doors open at 7 a.m. It's free admission and all ages are welcome. To find food pantries near you in the USA, go to foodfinder.us. To locate a Los Angeles tenant unit meeting online or over the phone in your area, visit latenantsunion.org. For mental health resources, crisis support, helplines, and warm lines, go to namiurbanla.org under resources. I'm Angela Birdsong with More Than a Sparrow Productions. You've been listening to KPFK, Rebel Alliance News. Thank you for keeping KPFK a strong and independent source of music, arts, news, and information. You know our brand. You know our mission. And our brand is our mission. We are a progressive media outlet challenging corporate media perspectives and providing a voice to voiceless communities. KPFK brings the best of the best of Los Angeles community engaged leaders who fight for for the voiceless and gives a voice to the voiceless. That's what you hear on our airwaves. That's what you hear when you turn your dial to 90.7 FM Los Angeles. That's what you hear when you go online and you go to kpfk.org. We request your support to stay the course and renew and refresh our commitment to and our engagement with new, new generations and new 
communities. Can you commit with us and become a sustainer subscriber? Go to kpfk.org or call 818-985-KPFK. That's 818-985-5735. We are a multi-generational family. That's what we are at KPFK. And you guys know my nephew is here freelancing and learning the importance of just community and how we stay involved in community. So KPFK is your key to peacemaking, freedom, and knowledge. Become a sustaining member during this drive by going to kpfk.org and pledge securely online or call 818-985-5735. Press number two, follow the prompts to donate. Thanks to our engineer, Wendell Handy, and all Rebel Alliance news contributors. We hope you will join us again tomorrow at 6 p.m. Until then, let all that you do be done with love. Have a great evening, Los Angeles. Coming up next is Feminist Magazine. Magazine.